Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pippen. You can hear me and see me on this show daily and also find my work over at NBA Australia and ESPN. And joining me, as he does most Sunday nights, after we've just finished watching, uh, I guess you call it an overtime thriller in Sunday night football, it's the host of the Bucks Radio Network and various other activities Bucks related. You'll see him at the arena if you're there floating around somewhere, Justin Garcia. Justin? Two nights away, and we're close enough to the ring ceremony now that the players are being asked about what the moment is going to be like, what it's going to feel like. Naturally, all these players are saying, well, I've never been there before. I don't know what this is going to be like. This wasn't one of the questions we were going to hit on today's show, but I did get a question on Twitter. I don't have the tweet up. I'm a bad host. But the question was, how many diamonds are too many diamonds? (laughs) And I, for one, am very intrigued to see what these rings look like. Yeah, I uh, I hope to see one up close as well. And you know, as as we uh, have as we get closer to it, it's the point has been made numerous times. But um, it, it, I think we all find it interesting and almost fitting with the almost rivalry that have been building between Giannis and James Harden that the Bucks perhaps toughest competitor or the only team that took him to seven games in the playoffs, the Brooklyn Nets or who they open the season with. And on the night where they get their rings and unveil the championship banner, it's going to be James Harden watching Giannis receive his ring. So that's going to be fun. A couple of housekeeping notes before we really get rolling here. My microphone is still not plugged in. I've express posted for those that missed the show last time I've moved house. This is actually my apartment now. Uh, I did not somehow uh, bring one of the cords to connect my microphone. So apologies for any substandard audio that you've had on the last couple of shows, but hopefully it's here by tomorrow, certainly by opening night. Uh, We do thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen of every day. You can get us free wherever you get your podcasts, of course now on YouTube as well. Uh, We're having fun. Uh, We're trying some different things on YouTube. We'll do that again today and moving forward. So it's been a bit of fun as we make that transition. So as we go into the first question that we have today, this is an interesting one. And a lot of these questions have come through what we've seen in preseason and what we expect to see moving forward. So the first question here comes from at Lito Costa on Twitter. And I've shortened this a little bit, but the... (laughs) The premise of the question was, what's up with the three-point shooting? Now, we saw last year, and it wasn't a new trend. We've seen this with the Bucs the last couple of seasons, that their three-point shooting has really dropped off once they've got to the postseason. So some numbers here. In the regular season last year, uh, 38.9%. In the postseason, that dropped down to 35 But that came up a little bit later on in the playoffs. So most of the postseason, that was around the 30% mark. And there was some stats. I know I was listening to a podcast. I remember back uh, during the postseason, Kevin Pelton was saying how rare it was for a team to even make the NBA finals with how terrible the three-point shooting was. 
Uh, they got it up to 35%, as I said, in the preseason. They're at 35.8%, uh, so a little bit better than that. Obviously, some guys have missed some shots. Obviously, there's going to be some rust there. But the preseason, similar to the postseason, is such a small sample size. Now, I don't want to put, I don't want to bundle those two together because I think we often point to luck, and luck is certainly an element of the struggles of the three point shooting in the postseason. But by the same token, I'm not going to compare the pressure of preseason basketball with the pressure of postseason basketball. There's a different element to that when it comes to the playoffs. Is there any concern with you in terms of the three point shooting uh, with this team or anything that stands out as we move into the regular season here? Um, I'm not overly concerned. I mean, I, I feel like uh, based off what we've seen, I think especially in the the playoff run that you outlined and what we've seen from this team seemingly forever, but especially the last five or so years in, in trips to the playoffs, you've just grown accustomed to, for whatever reason, once the calendar flips to May and, and June, this team just struggles to shoot from the outside. I know it seems like this is something we've said in each of the last few seasons, but I feel more confident this year with some of the shooters on the roster than I have in any of the previous years. I mean, I think Grayson Allen is going to be a huge upgrade there, and, and he's comparable, I guess, to Brent Forbes. I would trust Grayson Allen a little more just because he's been in those spots in the playoffs, albeit just one round, but he's been in those spots and he's a guy that you don't have the same concerns with as you did with Brent Forbes, and that kind of took away some of the shooting. Jordan Wara, as we've seen him shoot throughout the preseason, and if he can carve out a role, that's some more shooting that you have. And we haven't seen Bobby Portis this preseason. So I think between that, you know, you had touched on this a couple of weeks ago. None of us anticipate George Hill to be a near 50% three-point shooter this year, but if he can be close to 40%, you'll take that too. So I think they've assembled more guys that you can at least play in stretches in the playoffs that you trust their shooting. It's interesting. I always come back to the conversation we had with John Horst, uh, Bucks GM John Horst, prior to last season. And he said one of the main goals for the team was to acquire shooting, but not just shooting, shooting that translated to the postseason. Now, I, I think the problem with some of the guys that they acquired, as you already pointed to, is their playability. I don't know, is playability a word? Their playability in the postseason um, was perhaps uh, limited in, in some instances, certainly what we saw with Bryn Forbes. So I, I think your point about Grayson Allen is relevant. And just looking at some of these percentages we have from the preseason here. So Chris Middleton was 83%. I think it's fair to say that he's not going to stick at 83% during the season. That would be my guess. That's my strong guess with Chris Middleton. Grayson Allen was 45% though. Again, if he's a 45% shooter for the whole regular season, then you're very, very happy. But he, you know, we do hope that he's going to be a 40 plus percent shooter. Drew Holiday was up at 42%. Pat Connor around 34. That's around average. So the point being that because it's such a small sample, the percentages are, are so loud. They're so noisy. I mean, we saw George Hill didn't even make a three. He was putting up 2.7 a game. So I don't read too much into the shooting from preseason. For me, when I look at where the room for improvement, obviously, Allen is one guy. Perhaps you play Jordan War and maybe he's in the rotation and you have another guy that will knock down some shots. But honestly, I think it could be as simple as Drew Holiday not stinking with his jump shot. Now, he did so much else that it's totally fine. He was obviously a major, major player in what the Bucs were able to achieve. There's no doubt about that. And to his credit, uh, he stood up in some big moments throughout the playoffs. But he during the regular season last year, Drew was 50% from the field, 39% from three, and 79% from the free throw line. I mean, he was incredibly efficient, but that 39% uh, from 
uh, from three in the regular season dropped down to 30% in the postseason. Now, again, he hit some big threes. There's no doubt about that. But for the most of it, he looked like a guy that had no confidence whatsoever in his jump shot. And so to me, when I look at where there's room for improvement for this team in the playoffs, Drew Holiday shooting to his averages or close to his averages, that's going to be a massive boost. Yeah, and I think um, kind of to that point, one of the things to keep an eye on too is what version of Brooke Lopez do we see this year and how is he utilized that he had a bounce back year uh, in terms of shooting last year. In the playoffs, I think he was still around like 32% on threes, but we saw him much more effective closer to the basket. So do we see more of that this year or do we see more of a mixture where Brooke Lopez, maybe he is just a 33, 34% three-point shooter from here on out, which is better than, you know, 30s and, and below, which he was two years ago. But um, the version of Brooke Lopez that we see could swing a lot of that too. All right, we got plenty of questions still to get to here. And one of them is going to be interesting. And I'm going to give you a little bit of time here to think about this because I am, I am sort of putting you uh, in the spotlight here without warning, which is a little bit unfair. So the question is going to be related to what the Bucks can improve on this season or focus on this season. So what might we be talking about on this show a lot this year? Last year, obviously, on offense, it was utilizing the dunker spot. On defense, it was switching and trying some different things. So that's the question uh, we have coming up. Before that, I want to talk about prize picks. Uh, if you're an NBA fanatic, uh, you probably need to know about prize picks. Prize picks has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. Prize picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players, only recording a handful of minutes each game. So you know you might want to you might want to bet or, or have take a look at one of the role plays. You can do that with prize picks. So you pick two to five players and then over and under on their projections and you can win up to 10 times any on any entry and it's just you versus the projected numbers. All of your users that deposit and use your promo code will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. So uh, if you want to get involved with that deal, all you have to do is use the promo code uh, NBA. So don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy? And then uh, we we all know this situation. This is familiar to pretty much anyone that watches sports. You've been here before. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends logging for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings you live and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in the one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. So as we get going here, again, Justin, the question that I teased, and maybe you've had you know a minute or two here to think about it, comes from at Califan12. What can the Bucks work on similar to the dunker spot or switching defense last season? So last year, a big theme of the regular season, and there was panic left, right, and center. The Bucks weren't winning as many games as what they had in the past. I think a constant theme coming from this show is, yeah, maybe they didn't win this game, but have a look that they did this or have a look that they tried that. 
it's not perfected. We'll see how it how it looks come playoff time. Is there anything that you look at this team this year or perhaps something that you've seen in the preseason that stands out to you that might be a talking point this year or something to watch moving forward? Well, I think, you know, first and foremost, I'm still not very sure how this team's going to, going to approach the regular season, which I think last year a lot of us assumed they would take the approach that, that we ended up seeing where – you had so many new pieces, 50% of the roster is players that weren't there before you were working in a uh, drew holiday and Bobby Portis and, and a lot of key contributors were new guys. And Oh, by the way, it's a short off season. So it makes sense to kind of use this as a ramping up process this year. I'm not sure. I mean, it's a short off season. Again, there was some change, but not as much. So I'm not sure if it's going to be, Hey, we figured out this is what we need to do in the playoffs. Let's just maintain health. Maybe it's a we see importance of having home court advantage, even though they said the opposite last year. Um, so I'm not really sure about that. And that, I guess, could tie into the answer. But, you know, the dunker spot was so huge and it was a talking point. And Eric wrote several stories on that last year where everybody dunker spot became part of the vernacular. And maybe you didn't know what it was before. I'm just more going to be curious to see. Uh, the Giannis at five and small ball lineups and how much they use that and how they continue to tinker with it. Uh, because I know on this show, I said, I'm not quite sure how often they'll go to it, that maybe you don't want to do it too often in the regular season. We've seen it a decent amount in the preseason in the games that Giannis has played in. And if you just look at some of the lineups they used last year uh, with Giannis at the five, they didn't do it a whole lot in the regular season, but you know, some of the lineups, for me, especially when they essentially played what you have the option to do this year with no PJ Tucker out there with him, no Bobby Portis out there with him. And the one lineup that's that stood out to me the most was Giannis and Chris, Dante, Drew Holiday, and Brain Forbes. Because once this team is fully healthy, we assume Grayson Allen is going to be replacing Brain Forbes in that role, and, and Dante DiVincenzo will be back. And what they did in those minutes, I mean, that was a very effective lineup, albeit not frequently used, but you know, 119 points per 100 possessions and plus 13 in those uh, minutes that they played together. So uh, you can't help but think with the things that uh, Grace and Allen can do, it's an even better fit in those lineups than we saw from Brent Forbes. I mean, George Hill's another guy that could slide in there. So I'm really curious to see what are the Bucks looking like in those lineups when they go to the minutes of Giannis at five, essentially four shooters or at least shot creators around him because if he can hold up and if guys are hitting shots, I mean, we've seen more passing from him. Uh, the first preseason game that he played with uh, Grayson Allen, I think it was he and Drew Holiday in the first half had six assists and four were to Grayson Allen and three of those were threes. So they're definitely looking for him. And if that's a lineup that they can sustain throughout the season, I'm I'm very intrigued to see what they can do offensively with Giannis at the five, because I think we all feel pretty good about the defensive aspect. Yeah, no surprise that my answer is Giannis related as well, because I think the preseason has been compromised a little bit for the Bucs just by virtue of how many of the role players are out, because I do think the role players that you acquire in the offseason can help dictate different lineups and different ways that you can play the game. We know what the Bucs superstars are going to do or their stars are going to do, superstar in the case of Giannis. So, so I want to see, and you hear this a lot, that people that watch the league from a national perspective said that we really think Giannis figured it out in the postseason. I don't think that's necessarily wrong. 
but I also think that it's been a natural development curve that we've seen from him. So we talk about the turnaround jump shot and people say, well, we saw it really come on in the playoffs. So it's like, well, no, if you're watching this team play against Detroit in February, uh, against the Bulls in January, you've seen that this has been something that he's been quietly developing. I think the part of his game that really came to the, came to the surface and probably you saw real growth in was his ability to play off the ball, uh, his ability to set screens, to get elbow touches. So I think we've seen a little bit more of that in the preseason. So I, my, my answer is fully Giannis-related. I want to see how they utilize him, how comfortable he is playing with Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton as, as those three stars now that they've had 12 months in. So uh, I, a lot of people look at the Bucs and say, well, they got the same team. But to me, it just feels like they still have a lot of growth in terms of playing with each other and learning to play with each other that they they gathered and really seemed like they found themselves as a team, not just Giannis through the playoffs. So uh, my answer is all Giannis related, but I think that this actually, and certainly your answer moves on to our next question here, uh, which is what are the biggest holes in the roster on NBA opening night? This comes from at Bucks. So you hinted to, and I want to answer this question from what we think or who we think is going to be available on opening night. So we don't know about Bobby Portis. We don't know about Shemi Ojale. I believe we were told they will not play on so, Tuesday. Yeah. So so there you go. So the the status, I guess, of them go then that pair moving forward is is kind of unknown. So when I originally asked Mike Budenholzer about playing small, and he gave that answer that everyone got really excited about, he's like, "Yeah, we're going to use it a little bit more." I'm not going to say that he's backpedaled, but I'm just going to say that he's answered it differently differently. In, in the days after that. And he said, well, we, we've gone to it in the preseason because we've kind of had to. Yeah. And he's not wrong. When you don't have Bobby Portis out there, who is essentially your backup big, so you could say the four or the five, whatever, he's your backup big. Then you don't have Shemi Ojale, who they've hinted to the fact that they think that he can play in small ball lineups. We'll see. We're not sure about that. We're not sure how that fit's going to go. So then you've been left with, Mamu Kalashvili, and and it's no disrespect to him. I thought he was fantastic in that game in Brooklyn in particular when he was playing by himself with the role players. But I think yeah. we also saw, and we've seen it with Jordan Warrior in the past, that it's it's challenging when you put him in with the starters because then all of a sudden his role, his touches, everything changes. So if you're asking me what the biggest hole in the roster is, and this was uh, the question was asked more from a, a, the whole season, um, but I just wanted to talk about the opening section of the season, first of all, here, because that, there's no question. I mean, you just look at it. And if Mamu Kalashvili is the first big off the bench against Brooklyn on opening night, then it's very obvious. That's that's where right now the weakness is, and that's absolutely no disrespect to him, but he's a rookie and probably not what the Bucks were hoping or planning for coming into the season. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a, it's a no-brainer that uh, the obvious answer is the biggest hole that they have on opening night literally is going to be in the front court that if those two guys are out, that's huge because, um, you know, Mamu, not that any of us are expecting him to be a reliable, dependable, he's in the rotation immediately type of guy. But I think you saw, he started great in the preseason, that Brooklyn game, a homecoming game for him, his best game of the preseason. He still did all the little things that Bud loves and raves about of, you know, making winning plays without scoring the basketball. He did that throughout the preseason, but I think we saw it caught up to him and a little bit of a drop off as the preseason went on. So if you have to turn to Mamu in the season opener, 
that's a tough ask to say the least when you look at the Nets front court that you're talking about. Oh, by the way, you're going to be out there on the court with, you know, uh, Kevin Durant, who may be the best, if not one of the two or three best players in the league right now. Blake Griffin, you're going to be responsible for, um, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge and Paul Millsap that they brought in. So it's it's a tough ask for Mamu, even if we're talking about six minutes that you're throwing him out there into the fire. So it's going to be interesting to see that first week. And I guess then some, because to me, the biggest question mark with all of that is, is Bobby Portis because hamstrings can linger. So are they just being as cautious as possible with him? So this isn't something that lingers for a couple of months or is a, a season long issue that keeps popping up. Is this more serious than was let on? I mean, I mean, I know Bud's answers today at practice made it seem like, no, that they were just being cautious. But still, we've talked about this all throughout the offseason. The one thing you would point to is you feel good with the guys that are on there, but you're not super deep in the front court. So what happens if Bobby Portis goes down or what happens if Brooke Lopez goes down? It's game one, and we're seeing it looks like two of the big pieces or at least one big piece in that front court and Bobby Portis and then the newcomer in Shemi Ojale looks like they're not going to be available. So then you have to ask a lot of Giannis and Brooke Lopez in this matchup. Yeah, no question. And like I always say, you know, soft tissue injuries are concerning and they can linger. And this, I don't know, people will draw their conclusions to a short and off season. Um, we know the Lakers last year had their injury concerns and they certainly weren't shy about uh, making it an excuse, shall we say. So, yeah, we'll see how it pans out for the Bucks. And the only thing that I could recommend if, with these soft, soft tissue injuries is that the guys uh, definitely eat their Bilt Bar. Um, we know it's it's going to help you out. There's no doubt about that uh, with Bilt Bar. And I just want to make it clear, there's no evidence behind that. That's my personal opinion about Bilt Bar. But I will say Bilt Bar is the best tasting protein bar that's ever been made. We're still celebrating freedom of choice with Bilt Bar. There are so many delicious flavors. And when you talk to a Bilt Bar fan, they are passionate about their favorites. In my case, it's coconut. Not so much Justin. But if you like Justin and you're not into the coconut, then you can get to the mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, cookies and cream, whatever it may be, you'll be able to find your favorite. Uh, they're healthy for you, which is obviously important for a lot of people out there. You're trying to stay stay fit, stay healthy. You can do that uh, with Built Bar, which is also the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. So go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED for 15% off at built.com. We appreciate everyone listening to Locked on Bucks and making it your first listen of every single day. But if, you, if you're going to have a second listen of the day, there's the ultimate NBA preview that you can find on your podcast feed. I was a part of it. I was a part of the Contenders show, Justin, and... Uh, what a life we're living here. I mean, just the perennial contenders covering the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, it's nice to be included in that group. They did include the Miami Heat. Uh, even the host of Lockdown Heat was very, he was, he was questioning why he was on that podcast. I would agree with that. But anyway, they were kind to him. They let him on. But check that out as your second listen, the ultimate season preview uh, after you're done with Lockdown Bucks. You can jump across to that one. So the next question we have. This is a little bit premature because we have to assume a lot of things to answer this question that comes from Bobby Portis, or is it Tortoise? I don't know if I spelled that wrong, actually. Bobby Tortoise, maybe. Bobby Portis 9. Portoise? I don't know. I, who knows? Anyway, 
the question who will be packaged in a mid-season trade upgrade situation so uh bobby portis or tortoise whoever it is did suggest you know a george hill potentially a jordan war and i find it interesting there's so much hope or hype around jordan war and i think it's understandable i think i've said a number of times i hope that he can crack the rotation i hope he could play but i have started in my mentions a little bit to get people saying oh man he could be a nice trade piece and it's kind of funny because it's like well we haven't even really seen this guy play let's just see what we can get from him when he plays because it's it's fine in theory to say that you have this trade value and of course if a player has trade value it's better for the bucks it means they're playing good basketball but if jordan war is a player that's in your rotation you we wanted to keep that man around so we'll wait and see what happens there the george hill stuff is interesting i think there's been a a big reaction to you know some scratchy play in the preseason we'll see i think we saw last year that the bucks would have loved to have had a solid backup point guard so i i, I still feel fine about the hill addition uh, we had some news today the bucks basically over the last couple of days have cut everyone that we thought they were going to cut uh so they have 14 guys going into the regular season uh, justin robertson and mama kalashvili the two two ways as well so 16 guys still an open roster spot we you know i'm not anticipating they're going to fill that spot they'll leave it open until the buyout market later in the season maybe there is a trade uh, i think for the most part that was pretty predictable yeah not surprised um by that so they do have the open roster spot i mean i i guess it's um it's the it's the uh what you don't want to hear in a non-answer non-committal to the question but it is tough to answer i, I don't um i i think it's more likely that they would be adding somebody via a buyout than a trade and you know the jordan wara thing too um it's funny because we talk about uh, all the hype surrounding Jordan Moore, as you pointed to, and, you know, the excitement of, oh, look at what he can do. And then that quickly turns to this could be a great trade asset. Well, if you're the Bucks, you know, you look at a salary that's nearing $160 million. You're already well into the luxury tax. You're going to be there for the foreseeable future with the contracts you've given to Giannis and Chris and Drew Holiday. Uh, you have decisions to make on both Dante DiVincenzo and Grayson Allen this offseason, and, and it's likely it's one of those two guys, and whoever plays best or fits best is getting extended by this team. I, I think the point being, you know, I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense to use Jordan Wara as a trade chip because you're getting very expensive. You're going to need, and we've talked about this for over a year now, you're going to need to find guys in those late, late first round, second round picks that can become developmental pieces here and rotational guys. And you're going to have to hit it on the margins. Maybe you've done that with Jordan Wara. Maybe eventually you do that with Sandro Mamukelashvili. So I don't see either of them, Jordan Wara, especially getting moved because he's cheap. You still control him for a couple more years and it's a very expensive roster. You're in the tax and maybe other guys are going to be going in the off season. So I'd be surprised if that happened unless somebody pops up as available that we didn't really see. Plus, oh, by the way, Jordan Wara, I mean, we can talk about the value that he may have, but it's a $1.5 million contract. So what we're talking about adding in a trade, I mean, Jordan Wara straight up is not going to get it done. If you package him with somebody else, still, that's somebody else that I think you'd need on this team. So I, I don't really see anybody moved off the roster. I think it's much more likely that it's just through the buyout market that they do something. Yeah, and they don't really have 
too many of those sort of juicy mid-level, you know, contracts around the eight to 12 million mark. Obviously, Brook Lopez is there. Uh, again, we're in the same boat as last year. I just, if you trade Brook, then you're in, you're in big trouble for a number of reasons lineup wise, unless you somehow manufacture a trade where you trade Brook Lopez and get a better center back, which doesn't make a lot of sense. So right. I, I think it's difficult. The only other thing I'll point out, and it's, it's very obvious, but I don't think anyone would have predicted this time last year that the Bucks were going to have PJ Tucker on their roster by the end of the season. So these things will develop. There's a number of teams that are potentially going to be making moves here over the first couple of months of the season. We all know who they are. Um, so we'll wait and see uh, what happens there. And uh, Justin, do you play fantasy basketball? Um, I do. Um, I'm not. Uh, I'm not as good as I would hope to be, but I do play fantasy basketball. Yeah, well, if that's the reason you're probably not as good as you hope to be is because you don't listen to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast with my friend Josh Lloyd. He would help you out. He would help you out with your draft. So if you don't, if you do play fantasy basketball and you haven't listened to Josh Lloyd on the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast, make sure you do that. That guy's doing ridiculous numbers. He did like a four-hour live stream the other day doing team by team. Uh, analysis with different hosts and different experts. Uh, it's crazy stuff, crazy stuff. But anyway, make sure you check that out. Uh, Justin, a couple of days here. Uh, you're starting to get a little bit excited for the ring ceremony, 5.45. And I should notice, I've had a, a, a number of people in my mentions about what time they're opening doors. I'm not. I'm in Australia, you know. I mean, I, I, there's not much. There's not much I can do about it. It is a shame. I, I hope everyone can get in there. I'll just say in general, I, I think it's a shame that the ceremony is so early anyway. I mean, it's on a weeknight. There'll be literally some people that maybe won't even get home to watch it on TV in time. So I know they want to have the double header and they want to have the game on the West Coast later. I just wish they could have done this a little bit later. The league, and that's the league, could have scheduled it a little bit later. It just seems a bit of a shame that it's so early. Yeah, um, and to be honest, I'm not sure what time the doors are open. And I know it's always been 90 minutes prior to tip off. I haven't seen anything, but it did seem like in the two preseason games that was changed and it looked like fans were coming in a little later. So I don't know if it's 60 minutes, but as you mentioned in, in the Bucks have sent this out to get there as early as possible because 545 is when they're encouraging people to be in their seats. So uh, reading between the lines, it's going to start shortly after that. Um, that the whole process is going to start. But, I mean, we've all, for the home games, been kind of looking up and seeing, is the banner up there and it's just covered up or is there any glimpses? It's not even hanging yet. So we're going to get to see it raised on Tuesday night. Like the Australian flag in the training uh, facility, <laughs> they uh, leave it to the last second to get it up there. So, no, it's it's going to be fun, though. And, um, yeah, I, like you said, I hope everyone can get there. There is a... A viewing or a party, whatever you want to call it, outside in the Deer District. Jim Paschke is going to be there as well. So it's yeah. going to be awesome. It's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to watch it on TV from over here. Uh, a first for many of us, a ring ceremony before a Bucks game. Who would have thought? Well, and I, I should point out too, another first is it's going to be our first radio broadcast with the new voice of the Bucks, Dave Kane, who has been in town for uh, the last week or so. He, uh, he was at the game on Friday night in the booth with us, just kind of observing things. And still trying to get acclimated to Wisconsin and the Bucks and learn as much about this team as possible. But I think fans are really going to uh, enjoy Dave as they get to know him, as I briefly did over the course of the last week. So we'll get to hear Dave for the first time on Tuesday. Yep. Great call. 
Dave obviously is going to be on the radio. Lisa will be on the TV. So we'll get to know uh, our new voices of the Bucks. And certainly at some point they'll be on the show as well. I'll drag them on here as I've done in the past with Jim and Marcus and Zora and, and all the crew. So that's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, coming up tomorrow, uh, over and unders, finally, we're going to get to it. Me and Frank have been in the workshop coming up with some over and unders. That's always a fun pod. And we're also going to talk Bucks and Nets. We'll have a bit of a preview there. Uh, so plenty of content before opening night. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll wrap it here, though. Look at my internet. I, I think my internet has basically survived this show. It's an absolute miracle for myself, for Justin. Take it easy. We'll catch you guys.